Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I'm Pastor Zach, joined again by Pastor Dan. We're going to talk about what went on in our service today, man, or not today, yesterday. That was a good service. It was. That was a good it service. It was a good service. Very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, good time of worship, and it was just good. So we're going to get more into the message. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, verses 20 and 21. Now, mm-hmm. I got to pick on you first. Okay. Why do you only do two verses, Dan? Come on, man. Four <laughs> verses about my sweet spot, but it was because the next segment has significant things, and uh, that's that's why. Well, it, two verses went a little bit over, but probably could have done three messages wow. on the two verses. That's so consistent. There's a lot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if I didn't go over, there'd be something wrong. There we go. Uh, but, but there's a lot in these two verses, really. A lot more than people realize. Exactly right. I was really, maybe because I've been I've been doing some business with the Puritans lately. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying, I think, I can't remember the guy's name, Jeremiah something, did like 200 verses on, or 200 sermons on one verse. We're not going there. No, that's... But sometimes sitting and dwelling on something's got a lot of value in it. Yeah, because they have 10 Tentacles. So yeah. when you're talking about the, whether it's the idea of holiness or the idea of cleanse yourself, I mean, those things have all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, yeah. there are implications and applications yeah. to this. And so I think doing two in that time frame, I, I think it was an economy. Oh, oh and maybe yeah. just a quick application for us, just a few minutes into our thing. We yeah. would all do well. We would not be impoverished by probably spending a little more time dwelling on some some verses and singularity. So yeah. something that everybody can get as a takeaway for using in their Bible study. Mm. Um, and you're going to think about stuff. Yeah. You're going to think about stuff throughout the day. Why not be scripture? Why not? I mean, I dare you to do something better, right? Why not? That's <laughs> a good sell. So anyway, I, I told Dan, I was, we were talking before the camera started rolling. There's a couple things that I did want to point out um, that I, I was able to take notes on where we were going. One of the things I want to start with was you made a comment talking about the people of God. Yeah. And I think this gets, over, it gets missed a lot. Um, and I think it's helpful for people in thinking about how they look at Scripture. The people of God have always been made up of those who say they are the people of God. Yeah. And then there is also always the people of God yeah. that are amongst those people. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe when, in, in, our, in our tradition and more reform-leaning traditions, this get, used to get talked about a little bit more, but I think now people get a little bit sticky about saying things like that because yeah. now I'm judging people's salvation. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the judge of salvation. You are to judge fruit, and that's an easy way to say it. Yeah. But it's good for us to be aware that just because you're wearing the T-shirt doesn't yeah. mean you're on the team, right? Yeah, and I think it was a very big challenge for the disciples, a paradigm shift, because when Jesus starts opposing the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the creme de la creme. They were like this, the special forces of religious uh, zealotry. So when he starts indicting what they believe or what they were teaching, that was a very different thing. And it took a long time for him to unwind their thinking, they're in, we're trying to be in, so we're trying to be like them. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 they're not in. And so helping them understand what the kingdom was and what a follower of God really was. And then Paul takes that up and all of Israel is not Israel. And so I think we've we've always had that. I think that's, everybody knows that. Yeah. I, think, I think intuitively people look beyond simply the people that struggle periodically to some people go, you say you're a Christian, 
and you live like the devil, and I've known you for a while. So what gives you the right to say that? And I think when you throw in their crusades where people come down front and put up their hand and people go, who are you to question that? And then you go, well, Paul said you're supposed to examine yourself to see if you're faith. Jesus said you'll know him by your fruits. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Well, I'm the person to question it because that's what the Bible says. And so if it doesn't fit, it's not that I'm judging. I'm not making a pronouncement on them as much as I'm saying it doesn't seem to fit with what the Bible says. So I'm asking the question. Yeah. And I, I think it's unfair. And we do this. We do this a lot of things. We don't do this in other categories of life. We judge mm. stuff all the time. You use the example the of a tree. That's obvious. Time. But all I mean, if you go through the drive through and your sandwich comes through, like, and you see something nasty on it, yeah. you don't eat it. And I'm not, it's not that simple. But there is a way in which we need to be able to be far more cognizant of what's going on around us. Um, yeah. And the desire is never to condemn people. But That's the issue. Yeah. So even in asking the question, hey, why are you judging me? You go, well, you're judging me to ask the question. Yeah. So therefore, it kind of implodes. And so Jesus' point in uh, Luke 6.36 is, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, verse 37, judge yeah. not lest you be judged. And then he talks about, so the issue is, if you trail it back up into that chapter six, it's... Are you treating people the way the Father does? In other words, at this point, he's not judging people, holding them account. There's a sense in which people can change and grow and develop. And Christ says, that's the, that's the role you play. You don't make pronouncements. That's exactly what the Pharisees are doing. You're never going to be more than you are. You're a sinner. That's who you are. I don't hang out with sinners. You're lost. You are hopeless. You're condemned. That's the stuff. That's the judging that Jesus is going after. Yeah. Not the making uh, a judgment in the sense of valuing something or evaluating something in the moment. Because we do that all the time. Paul did that when we talked about yesterday. I'm not even present. I've judged the man already. The same word, crino, in 1 Corinthians 5. So... Uh, you're supposed to judge. You're not supposed to condemn. Don't play the role of God in the life of somebody else. And you don't need to. Like, that's not really within your bounds. Of, if yeah. we're thinking about our purpose of yeah. reflecting who God is and what he puts before us to do, you don't need to know the status of somebody's salvation, yeah. right? Um, I mean, if you're witnessing to somebody and their stuff like that, but if you feel like this brother is questionable, well, you would still encourage him with the gospel, right? Yeah, totally. So uh, yeah. maybe we get a little too nosy. I don't know the way we're trying to figure that stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> or not enough nosy. I don't well, know. Maybe that's a good point. Yeah, I guess that could go the, either way. Depends on the subject. Yeah. Well, now, and I want to, the reason I want to mention that about being able to judge people of God, not people of God, because what we're seeing here when we're talking about, you know, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that there's also judgments we want to make within the body about. Yeah. Not somebody's status, but maybe about influence. And I thought about that because maybe yeah. kind of in the council, cancel culture we're living in. Yeah, right? yeah. I got uh, there's some guy I've been following online for 15 years, has had a big impact in my spiritual development, and then he says something about one subject I don't like, and now nothing he said matters anymore. Is yeah. that the proper response? Or it, should that person have had as much influence as they had in your life in mm. the first place? I think using that kind of judgment for those kind of things is super important. Yeah. And I think with this regard, everybody knows. It's, we call it undisputable, that there are some people that reflect, you could say the gold and silver, they, they show the value of the master, puts them out when he wants to be seen, he reflects him. And we recognize other people are backstage. And we're not talking about backstage serving, we're talking about backstage as far as advancing the kingdom in their own life, That's right. the wood and the clay. And so therefore, they're still part of the great house, but for whatever reason, they haven't 
put Christ more dominant in their life. They're still a believer, but they aren't making the difference that they know they could make. And so, therefore, it's the people that uh, traffic in gossip or anger or backbiting or don't submit to leadership or whatever. Uh, They're the wood and the clay, and they could be the silver and gold. And so that's exactly in verse 21. He talks about cleanse yourself, kind of be faithful, be available, be teachable, be responsive. And so you move from that category to the other. So it's an undisputable truth. There are different types of people in a church. But Paul wants Timothy to know that you need to make sure you're always moving toward greater representation, greater value of who Christ is. And there's always hope for anyone, which is a, the word he uses, that anyone That's right. can be like that. And then other guys, are, you could say, are falling off the table, the yeah. Hymenaeus and the Philetus, they're out. Yeah. But before they were out, they they ventured into the wood and the clay, and then eventually they're out. So you always want to challenge people to be more than they realize they can be. And what does that mean? That means you start off with faithfulness, and that leads to availability and then teachability and then responsiveness. I think it's really good to point out, too, that we are not saying the act is the thing that determines whether or not somebody Correct. is noble or ignoble. We're not saying yeah. you get up and preach or you get up and lead worship on the stage yeah. or you do something, you're noble, and then the person that's yeah. in there changing the diaper while we're doing that is ignoble. It, that, no. it is how it makes much of the thing it is carrying, right? Yeah. That's what the vessel does. And you think about... Uh, if you're if you're at some fancy dinner or something like that, and they bring out the I don't know this beautiful seven layered cake that some master baker did or whatever, it's different if it's served on a Dixie plate like a paper plate, yeah. or if it's served on some beautiful pedestal. Even when it's served on the pedestal, though, you're not paying attention to the pedestal. Yeah, you're paying attention to the cake. Yeah. So as a vessel, what you do and how it magnifies the thing that we're reflecting. Yeah. That's what's important because you could be a pastor up on a stage. And you could be a nasty, dirty wooden block. Yeah, and I and I think one of the challenges is, especially in this day of modern age of the visual, the video, is that we have a tendency to think the guy on the stage must be the most yeah. uh, influential or a change agent, transformative element in the church. I actually find it's the people that lead uh, small groups and really intentionally pour into people that over time see incredible growth in people. Certainly a guy on stage teaching he can influence people from a distance. But I've found you impact people and see transformation happen in the smaller groups. And so there's a place for both of them. But don't underestimate the the conversations you have consistently over time with people, the prayer you have for people, the challenging them to something, asking them to come along if you're going witnessing. Those are the things that I think are the, the... the fibers of the church that really give the church strength. That's the real work. I mean, that is really what happened. We yeah. call these people online now influencers, which is dumb for a whole lot of reasons. <laughs> it, it really but is. They're they're really nowhere near. If you if you stop yeah. and you think who the most yeah. influential people in your life are, yeah. they're not the people you're watching on your YouTube. Feed. No, it's like reality <laughs> TV. It's neither reality nor really exactly TV. Right. It's this kind of twisted people acting and calling it reality. It's not reality. Anytime you get a TV in a room, it's no longer real. Yeah, that's right. And if you are letting these people influence you more than anybody else, like that kind of goes back to that canceling thing that I was talking about. Like there's a problem. You're, the amount of influence you allow to somebody, uh, yeah. allow somebody to have in your life, it needs to be very closely related to proximity. Yeah. And that's why they can cancel you because if you're looking to them and they cancel you, it's over for you when you go, go ahead, cancel me all you want. Because right. my identity isn't wrapped up in right. whatever this online thing is. Yes. And, I, th- and I'm not saying, car- like, because I can hear the retort now. Okay. Like people that know me well, they're going to say the most influential people in your life are all dead. They have been for hundreds of years because I read these older people and stuff. And that's true. But 
It's not in the sense they're not the most influential people in my life. Yeah. Maybe I learned doctrine from them. Yeah. Maybe I learned great jewels or yeah. treasures about who God is. But I, I learned to carry those jewels by the yeah. people that I'm in the trenches with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So don't be don't they get influence twisted. you in a segment. That's exactly but right. But Jonathan Edwards, he can speak and help me understand theology, or, or Spurgeon can help me understand that. But when it comes to parenting, I've not learned anything, I don't think, from Spurgeon. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, but I've learned tons of things from other people. Yeah. I said to somebody once, for me, Edwards is a good example. He helped me to put together a thought process I've been going through, and nobody quite helped me connect the dots. Massive. Life-changing. Yeah. Huge yeah. thing. Yeah. So it helped me in my mind. But the reason that that thing was even being thought about and it had likes to it because my mom had been making me experience that for so yeah, long yeah, and yeah. showing me who Christ is and the yeah. way she lived. So those two would have not, without those, both those particles you know, working together, it wouldn't have happened. So anyway, be careful about who influences you and make sure they're close to you, right? There you go. Um, and don't cancel your mom. <laughs> that would never, right? Um, Truth good, that live Good by. people that are close. So um, there's a number of other things in here, but this is, it really is these two verses and I think... Paul does this thing every once in a while where he's just like, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, and bam, I'm going to hit you in the face with some stuff. So there's a lot here. Um, but I want to sit on this idea of if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable in verse 21, hmm. he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Hmm. This is absolutely true, not speaking anything against this. This is not only an axiom, but it's something that comes true again and again in people's life. Hmm. But I know there's probably people that go... Well, I've done this, and I don't feel like I'm being used for noble use. Yeah. Like I, I think I have cleansed myself. So where's the rub here? You know, what's if if I think I'm doing the right things, but I feel like I'm not being used by the Lord, or I'm not doing that thing I want to do. You know, go figure. What am I supposed to do here? Yeah, I think that you have to have a conversation to find out what that person useful thing would be to them. In That's other good. words, what exactly do you want? So what's the target? And then evaluate that is your target realistic based on the way God has wired you. So somebody you can have an introvert who um, is not skilled maybe in teaching. Uh, isn't That's just not how they're wired. They love to serve people. And they go, wow, I'd love to be like the next Billy Graham. And you help them understand, I love your ambition. Yeah to do much for the kingdom, but also live by faith, realizing God's wired you a certain way, because Paul said, I am what I am, type thing. And so, therefore, um, you've got to bring it back and understand how God has wired you as well. So I, I've always found and I've had people say to me that when it comes to someone's gifting, uh, one of the keys is, as relates to even teachability and availability is that be around leaders who can evaluate yeah. you and assess you and say, I think you would work here. I think I can see your gifting working there. Mm -hmm. And so when other people see it in you and then you get involved in that and it's confirmed by seeing fruit in your own life in small ways, yeah. and then I think that you orient your life toward that and just look for how God opens up doors. But if somebody is saying, I want to be more useful, you have to start to go, what does this look like? And is their perception of usefulness their own figment of their imagination? Yeah. Or is it something that you say, no, this is commensurate with the way God has wired you? 
So I, I just think you can't discover this unless you're in a relationship with somebody who's more mature, somebody who's been there, and somebody that you're willing to listen to and be taught by or be uh, available to be molded with and so, coached. Again, the guy on the internet that you're never going to meet is probably not the best. Oh, or be able to lead you in that or way. Proximity. Yeah. No, he wants a buck from you. <laughs> That's the guy exactly. on the stage. Right. Yeah. So he, he wants a buck. Like, for example, I, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, there was a very prominent guy um, who was, I was in a class. He Years ago, we were doing spiritual gifts tests. Spiritual gifts has, test has their place, but they're not the end all. Yeah. So anyhow, I remember all these guys <laughs> in this class, they, all these guys who really want to be pastors, and uh, they were filling out this thing, and he, and he was looking at me, and I remember standing in line, and he was looking, oh, pastor, teacher, pastor, teacher, pastor, teacher, pastor. And I remember just laughing, because I was like, I live in the dorm with that guy. He couldn't explain his way out the front door. He's not a pastor teacher. And, and they knew how to game that test. Oh, totally. <laughs> and that's the thing that I just sat back going, oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. That's one of those things where really, I mean, I don't know that we like doing this kind of business with ourselves, but you got to be honest with yourself. And, yeah. you know, one of the best ways to be honest with yourself is to be honest with someone else because <laughs> they'll, they'll help you be able yeah, to get that yeah. feedback. But when you're thinking about, you feel like you're not being used for noble use. It, your motivation, start with the end in mind, needs to be the same thing that this vessel would be. Yeah. That you're making much of what you're holding. Yeah. And you could be very surprised by that. Look, most likely, you probably will do something that seems more obvious, that is in line with maybe what you were feeling, what you were thinking. There could be times you could do something completely different oh, yeah. as you're doing that. But the goal is... I don't want to, you don't go, well, I, I just, I, I feel this calling to preach. I want to be a preacher. Yeah. You go, why do you want to be a preacher? Well, I just feel it in my bones and I love the way I feel when I tell people. I understand the scripture. And yeah. I'm just waiting for you to say something about Jesus. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say something about the glory of God being proclaimed in what you say. And a lot of time, yeah. guys don't do that. Um, that I preach your background for spending a lot of time at seminary yeah. in a school yeah, yeah. with a bunch of preachers, right? Well, I would say this, that no, no, if people identify their usefulness with a stage, they're going to come to grips very quickly that the majority of the things that make you useful have nothing to do with the stage. That the it has everything to do with those quiet moments of you being with, in, with the Lord in the Word, fighting the temptations, right. being a good husband, uh, being a good wife, being a, a following after listening to godly men. There are so many things that have nothing to do with the limelight. But if you mess those up, you mess up the stage. Yeah. You can't be on the stage. You right. lose your voice on the stage. And so for anybody who's anxious about the public front, yep. they need to be cultivating the backstage substance of their character. And if they, they're avoiding that, yeah. you will never... Or you get on stage and it'll be a short and Bad you'll just news. blow people up. That's right. The The tactic is ironically the same for whether or not you're the guy behind the pulpit proclaiming the gospel or you're the guy who comes and cleans the pulpit later on so we oh, can yeah. do it again. The way that both those guys honor the Lord is in faithfulness, moment yeah. by moment, day by day. And I, yeah. if I'm going to give a prescription for something, that's it. Know who the Lord is, reflect yeah. who He is, be faithful in doing that. And everything gets so simple. Just follow Jesus and don't don't figure out where you got down the line. It's the God's word, you know, a lamp into my feet, light into my mouth. It's not a spotlight. I'm going to be here in five years. That's why that some things sometimes rub me the wrong way when churches start going. Let's do five year, ten year goals, mm. and I just go, okay. 
aim at stuff, sure. But when you start calling things goals, yeah. we sound a little too corporate for me because mm. the reality is I got a lamp that shows about two or three feet. I don't have a spotlight <laughs> that shows way down. <laughs> I just don't. It's his church. I just want to be faithful in the moment. He'll open my eyes to what's next, open my ears to what's next. And some people will think, well, that is that really being you know faithful or leading or you, you need to have more control and go, really? Yeah. I mean, do you work with people? I mean, how much control do you have in the lives of people? I mean, it doesn't work like that. You make widgets, maybe. If it does, send us an email. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, we'll, we'd do, be happy we'll to do a seminar that'll go around the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that, though, because I find, from being in the corporate world um, and having any success of it was actually bringing a lot of biblical principles into it, doing goal finding for different organizations within yeah. this company I worked with. And I get where goals are important in that. But it's funny, when I would help people to first understand vision, like when I say to them, what do you want to look like? Like mm -hmm. either if it's five years or whatever down the road, um, and they would be able to articulate that, all of a sudden they could figure out their goals. Yeah. They could figure out how to make it yeah. happen. Yeah, and go. for us, our vision is yeah. not, you might word it differently, but if you're a New Testament church and you're yeah. a believer, your vision is to proclaim the greatness of God, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's all the same. So if you keep that vision in mind, you kind of figure out the goals along the way. And yeah. if your vision in life is to look like the Lord, you kind of there start figuring that stuff out. Because I want—I do want to give a retort, because I think some people will go, well, Dan, you just said just follow Jesus. Yeah. And they'll go, well, yeah, right. That's so Pollyannish, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. But what do you say to somebody that goes, well, hold on. You're telling me all I got to do is follow Jesus with my bad marriage, or I got to follow Jesus with this, th this maybe this own sin situation I got myself into. Elaborate a little bit more on that and help that brother understand yeah. you're not giving a cop-out answer. No, and I think that the answer, while it might seem trite, it's, it's kind of like the ocean. You can spend a few moments in a foot or two of water, or you can go into the deepest part. So his character, his priorities, that's what we're aiming at, because Jesus followed the Lord, followed his Father. Uh, in ways Adam didn't. So he lived the life that Adam was supposed to live. So he lived by faith. So his character, his priorities, the things he did, things he said, show who he is. So therefore, we want to trust the Lord. We want to trust the Father, like Christ did in his humanness, fully God, fully man. And so when we look at the life of Christ, we say, we want his character and priorities in my marriage. So that truth applied to marriage is a weight because right. you go, how do I love my wife like Christ loved the church. And I will never get there. But I always ask and re repent of when I don't do it and uh, ask him to give me the grace to be able to do it. And then I, as a parent, as an employee or employer, as a friend, I just apply that across the board. And that's life. Yeah. And if you don't know, if you don't know those nuggets of who Christ is or God's character, there's really good news. Some guys wrote a book about it. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> it's it's and, widely available. And there's a bunch of people pursuing that. That's yeah. why you got to get into a church. And that's why if you're not in a God-centered, a discipleship-oriented, making disciples, because Jesus said that, uh, it, it gets into the Word regularly, uh, you're going to have a tough time yeah. because you can't figure it out. The, the Christianity was meant to be done together. Yeah. It's meant to be done where you're learning from one another. You're seeing Christ through those relationships. People are rebuking you. People are encouraging you. It's it's the best place in the world, uh, those churches, to understand who God is and how do I live my life. And yeah. if you're not in this church or you're in a church that doesn't open the Bible and doesn't value the fame of God, right. the renown, the glory of God, and it's just telling you tricks and tips on how to live life, you, you don't need any more tricks or tips. There's yeah. plenty of seminars. What you need to do is have a an understanding of who God is that propels you to 
be willing to make the changes Absolutely. in those relationships. So if you're not loving your wife well, you find three different ways to express love. Okay, those are ways, but that isn't fuel. Mm, mm-hmm. Those are techniques. That's, right. That's not the That's thing right. that propels you. Yep. What propels you is that Christ has loved you and accepted you, and wow, I'm overwhelmed with that. Then take the tip yep. and apply it, but you're applying it with the impetus of the fact of what Christ has done. Yep. That changes again because the Holy Spirit's really interested to make much of Christ. He's not interested in making right. much of your three tips. That's right. Because in the end, if you emphasize the three tips, all of a sudden, wow, that guy's a great speaker. And all of a sudden, the glory of Christ is diminished practically. Mm. And that mm. Jesus removes people like that who play. And that's the playground for false teachers. Because when churches go, oh, that's what I really want. I need to, to live my life. False teacher goes, I'll help you with that. Because he's not interested in the glory of Christ either. Yep. And so that's one of the things we might emphasize spreading the fame of God but that's the thing you need. That's the thing I need. We all need. It's not a cop-out. It's yeah. not Pollyannish. Yeah. It's not on a plaque someplace. It's actually exactly the way we were wired. That's right. If somebody says to you that following Jesus is not good enough of advice for living your life, oh. I don't think you understood what I said. <laughs> I don't think you realize the depths of what... Because here's yeah. one thing. These guys who wrote this book that you're yeah. looking to, yeah. they all thought that was it because yeah. that's what's in these things, right? That's what they're talking about. And the creator of the universe thinks Oh, that. that's what I was about to say. Like, you yeah. to bring up Edwards. You brought up Edwards so I could bring him up. Yeah. The end for which God creates the world, he makes it very clear. God's motivation in the sense that God is yeah. motivated is the display of who he is. Yep. If that's no a doubt. good enough motivation for God. No doubt. I feel like it should be a good enough motivation for me. <laughs> yeah, and he's not arrogant because he is the ultimate expression exactly of all right. of those things. So we find our joy in that. That's right. So if we diminish it down to simply the the blocking and tackling, you could say, uh, of life, uh, just the details, how do you get along with your neighbors, or how do you find a, a better job, or how do you figure out where to live? And that's the sum total, is focused on you and improving your life. Wait a minute. God created the world for the expression of himself. That's right. Those are at odds. That's right. And there's a problem there. Yeah. And you don't want to be fighting against that stream. No. It's no. not going to be a pleasant life. And your joy is not going to be there. Eventually, Absolutely. you're going to get to the end. And you're going to go, I had a great life, but you're going to look behind you and you go, all I did was help people understand techniques and tips for living. And they're going to change with technology. They're going to change right. with yeah. this. And, and there's going to be disputing. And that's where we get into the war of wars we talked about yeah. last week or uh, people irreverent babble and, and things that just don't have the value that's that right. they were meant to have. Joy can only be access through fulfillment of purpose. If your purpose is yeah. to display who God is yep. and you don't do it, don't be surprised by your joy intake. It's just, that's basic easy math. So, yep. And which goes back again to this idea of, we'll put a bow on it, that this idea of the vessel, right? Yeah. Is that you are, yeah. the vessel carries something, it yeah. breaks up the fourth. You take great joy and being that vessel. And yeah. that's a, a beautiful way yeah. to live our lives. Good. So, good stuff, brother. Yeah. All right. Well, next week we will move on to, I think you're doing like 18 verses next week, right? Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to make up for getting, lost time. We're crazy. <laughs> no, I, 18 verses we'll move top. On. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I heard a brother once. He did it well. Preached the whole entire book of Jude because he figured, you know, it's just the one chapter, a few verses. Um, and I was like, you did a good job with it. And he was like, I won't do it again. Yeah, I would never <laughs> do that. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll look forward to it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for joining joining us. We love talking about these things. We hope that they're enriching to you. Until we join again together next time, you guys be focused on spreading God's fame and enjoying that beautiful task of making disciples in the name of Jesus. We'll see you later.